Hello and welcome to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. On May 9th, all of Russia commemorates victory over fascism in Europe in 1945. Memories of heroism and unspeakable suffering have been passed down from generation to generation. The West has attempted to rewrite this history. Russians will never accept their sacrifices were in vain. Crosstalking victory over fascism, I'm joined by my guest Aaron Good in Philadelphia. He's a political scientist, historian, and author of American Exception, Empire in the Deep State. In Providence, we have Vladimir Goldstein. He is the chair of the Department of Slavic Studies at Brown University. And here in Moscow, we have Sonia Van Den Ender. She is an independent journalist. All right, crosstalk rules in effect. That means you can jump anytime you want, and I always appreciate it. Uh, Vladimir, let me talk with, speak with you, because you and I have talked about this before over the years about revisionism. So I want to ask you a personal question here. You were born in the Soviet Union. You were brought up in the Soviet Union. And you clearly remember uh, celebrating, commemorating victory day on, on May 9th. It, to your, what does your memory tell you? Was, was there ever a disparaging comment about the, the Western allies and their participation in the war? Because I have never heard that in the quarter century I've lived here. This, uh, the Russian Federation has always acknowledged the role that Western allies played. Obviously, they focus more on their contribution. But the West doesn't want to acknowledge the suffering that the Soviet Union experienced during that gr uh, horrific conflict. Vladimir. Yeah, you know, growing up in Russia, of course, it was a holiday, a very big holiday, the day off. You know, it was very, you know, May was festive. Festive time. First of May was, you know, day off. You know, eight and nine, you know, nine of, of May were great days. So country was celebrating. And everyone was celebrating. It's one. It was one of those holidays. I remember I have friends who were dissidents. They like this, you know, the the system. And yet, you know, if I would forget to call them on the 9th of May and to congratulate them they would be offended because they you know they they went through the war they knew what it was and they remember that it was like a very important so solemn holiday you know many cultures many you know traditions have these holidays of, of remembering and that's what sort of uh, uh, russia did and of course it's very kind of uh, uh discouraging if if not it, it kind of not to say offensive, to see what was going on in the West, and it's been going on for a while. Yeah. You know, just somehow kind of to present Russians as incompetent, you know, <laughs> bunch of people who didn't know what they were doing, who won like by by jumping under the guns and dying in droves, and and somehow kind of just to, to do all of that to to diminish it. Of course, people who went through the war, French, Americans, Germans, they remember, they know. But it was like a concerted effort to brainwash the younger generation. I remember I had a friend, a colleague, a historian who was in Germany, and he was just celebrating something. There was like people sitting in the bar drinking their beer. And he said they were like some young Germans making fun of Russians and some, you know, grim looking old Germans say, what the hell are you talking about? You know, that was a serious war. That's the way we were destroyed. So he witnessed it already with his own eyes in Germany, which was probably like 25 years ago. We can imagine how bad it is now. 
Well, Aaron, it has gotten very, very bad because uh, over the years, and, and it, particularly since 2014 with the illegal change of power in Ukraine, it is a, it, there's this presentation that Ukraine defeated Nazi Germany, which, of course, it didn't. It wasn't an, in, an independent country at the time. But at, almost at every single level, there's this attempt to diminish the Soviet war effort, which is it's, 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 it boggles the mind, losing 27 million people uh, in your own country, and the West is, it, it, uh, treats it as if it was an afterthought. It, you know, saving Private Ryan, that, the war was over. Go ahead, Aaron. Right. The Soviet losses in the war are the number that I've been, that I've seen more often is 26.6 million, which rounds up to 27 million. And the losses for the U.S. are are 400,000 with 200,000 in each theater, Pacific and, and European, more or less. So that means that the if you round the Soviets up to 27 million, that's a 400,000 rounding error, which is how much the U.S. lost. So the U.S. rounding error, the rounding error, error for the Soviets really is the loss of the U.S. in the war, which isn't to diminish how awful it would have been to be you know fighting in Okinawa or on D-Day. But it's to say that the sacrifices that the Soviets made in World War II are unequaled in in human history uh, to defeat Nazism, and uh, this is probably something that the many Soviets would be bitter about in in retrospect, and Russians today, because the effect of that war, World War II, and the enormous Soviet sacrifices was really to hand the U.S. Uh, empire over global capitalism and the former colonial empires. Or soon to be former and the uh, empires in the globe and the global south. Uh, this paved the way for the U.S. to become a, a, a global juggernaut, unrivaled in in human history. I think that the power that the U.S. had after World War II, they basically absorbed the Axis into their own global capitalist yep. system. You know, Sonia, one of the things you know, I, I, in the way I presented this program, introduced this program, is again very different than the narrative that you'll find in the West. There was victory over fascism over an ideology, okay? Now, what you'll get, if it's remembered in the West, victory over Germany, okay, over the Germans, okay? Mm -hmm. But it was an ideological struggle. And, and, and for many people, and, and it's very offensive, and I'm glad that Vladimir used that word here, is that many in Russia feel today that they're fighting the same ideological foe all over again. Sonia. Yeah, that's right, because uh, I myself am from Europe. And uh, they are uh, claiming that, uh, you know, it's uh, fascism and, and Nazism, but they use the term uh, German all the time, but actually it's Nazism and fascism, that, that's what we know. And also there's something very weird going on in uh, Europe because already in 2019, the EU passed a resolution saying that uh, actually the war was started through the Ribbentrop and Molotov uh, agreement that the war was started also by Russia. So, I mean, and that there are there were two totalitarian states, that was Russia and that was Germany, as they, exactly how they call it. So, as from that time, but actually already before, we can see that Europe is a very, yeah, they try to do revisionism. This is what we see all the time, and it's getting worse by the day. Like uh, today, Ursula von der Leyen, she is in uh, Kiev. Yep. And yeah, it's 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 crazy, of course. Uh, in her outfit with uh, yellow and uh, blue, of course, 
and claiming that now, or Zelensky is also claiming that uh, we have now racism, racism, not Nazism, but racism again, also uh, racism. That's what he told uh, yesterday in a very funny video. I saw that. So, I mean, Europe is um, rewriting history. Not only this, they are denying actually that a large part of Europe were liberated by the Soviet Union, the Red Army, the Russians. And actually, there are living a lot of people in Germany who also commemorate the 9th of May. And there was a whole debate going on there. And I think in some places they could show the flag and uh, they could commemorate. But uh, of course, Ukrainians complained again. But this is really very terrible what is going on. And it is what I hear. It, it, it's increasingly, yeah, it's frightening, actually. I can see comparisons between uh, now and 1933, uh, 1933, 1945, because Russophobia is very, very terrible in Europe. And um, this is what they did with the Jews in the Second World War or the opposition. A you know? Absolutely right. And, and, and what I, I call it uh, uh, basically liberal authoritarianism, uh, liberal fascism mm -hmm. even is appropriate, I think, now. Uh, Vladimir, um, it, it put this into context here because, you know, we're having this revisionism going on. It's really quite extraordinary. Um, uh, the, the, the Nazi Soviet pact. Of 1939, it is portrayed in the media as the, uh, an alliance. But I mean, it wasn't an alliance. Okay, I'm just picking one of hundreds of possible examples here. But they're always conflating the two here. And you know what it does, Vladimir? It lets fascism off the hook. That's what it's doing. It's actually rehabilitating it slowly but surely, Vladimir. Yeah, it you know this this idea of equivalence is very obnoxious. You know, we we should study and be appalled and try to prevent the best we can. You know what Nazis were standing for. You know, racism, destruction of anyone who, whom they didn't like, whom, whom they declared you know untermensch. That's what we have to fight. Of course, you know, if you're not happy with the way Stalin was treating people, but socialism, fine. That's a different issue. But to draw the equivalence between the countries it's, it's it's absolutely unacceptable because basically you know first of all we ended up being you know allies england united states russia they were allies they were fighting this absolutely unmitigated evil which were targeting concrete groups of people slavs jews gypsies homosexuals you name it they would destroy them so this is what we have to fight for and to try to uh, somehow obfuscate the whole thing and bring the equivalence and, and muddy the waters is absolutely unacceptable. And including this particular, uh, you know, it, it was non sort of, of non war agreement. They decided not to attack each other. It doesn't yeah. mean that they were allies. So just confuse these issues yeah. while at the same time, you know, it was uh, a British government who more or less gave on the platter Czech Republic to Germany and agreed, you know, Munich agreement. That was all done by Europeans. So it's the same thing we can, you know, if you want to have the same argument. You can say that that what was made possible. Capitalism and Anglo-Saxon world is equivalent of Nazism, if they're going to argue like that. You know, Aaron, what is the point of rewriting this history? Well, wh why do they want to erase Russia, uh, the, the Soviet war experience? Well, <clears throat> the fundamental geopolitical issue for the for the uh, the Anglo's, you know, the Atlanticists, is to make sure that Germany and Russia are not united yeah. uh, with a you know Russian 
raw materials and manpower and then German industry. And so this is why you had them. I mean, this goes back to World War One and the fears of a of a Berlin Baghdad railway, uh, a lot of and blowing up the Nord Stream or setting up uh, the military industrial complex in uh, in the early 1950s because of a uh, dollar flow problems. They really wanted to quarantine. Aaron, uh, I have, Aaron, the, I have to go to a hard Eastern break. Block. I have to go to a hard break, and after that hard break, we'll continue our discussion on victory over fascism 78 years ago. Stay with RT. Welcome back to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. To remind you, we're discussing victory over fascism 78 years ago. Okay, let's go back to Sonia here in, in Moscow. Sonia, my, my father fought in the Second World War. He was at Iwo Jima in, uh, in Okinawa, um, and he very rarely talked about it be, because it was just so horrific. Um, it, was, it was what he saw, what he experienced. Um, but, it, but he still was interested in the history of the conflict, and we watched together. I was quite young at the time, but we watched The World at War, and it was a documentary series about the Second World War, the entire war around the world, and it was a British documentary. And it's one of the greatest documentaries ever made. But you know what, Sonia? You probably can't find it anymore, okay? Because it's basically slowly but surely being deleted from the ether, okay? You, every single episode was on YouTube 10 years ago. Now you can find maybe one or two, okay? And you know why? It's because it gave a balanced view of the Soviet experience during the war. That is foreboding now. Sorry for the German. Go ahead in Moscow here, Sonia. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, but that's true. I mean, me, myself, I'm from the Netherlands, and we uh, always uh, celebrate uh, liberation of Nazism on the 5th of May, so that was last week somehow. And on the 4th of May, there's the remembrance of all the dead or the fallen. And what did Prime Minister Rutte from the Netherlands do? He invited Zelensky to be on this evening where supposedly we commemorate all the people who were fighting for us and fallen. And there was one very special person in the Netherlands. She is called Hanni Schacht. She was a communist, so they will not remember her. They wiped her out. And th this guy, this Zelensky, was standing at the statue somehow in Amsterdam at the Dam. And then they uh, said, oh, yeah, we have to commemorate all the dead people in Ukraine. This is what they do in Europe. And a lot of things, what you said on YouTube, like the world on war, I watched it too. And you cannot find it anymore. And there's a lot of things now going on. It's what is rewriting history. So they, they now focus on, on these days when, you know, they commemorate the Second World War. They focus on Ukraine. And this is, I mean, there's so many people died for this in Russia, but also in Europe, like my grandfather too. He was uh, hiding for the Germans. I mean, he lived in Rotterdam. There was a very heavy bombardment. And uh, afterwards, he had to work in Germany, and he was hiding out in uh, with people. So, and they 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 don't commemorate this at all. They they rewrite it everything. And and I, it was a very interesting thing what said about Germany. In Germany, the industry is something else. But in Germany, the industry is down uh, eighty percent now already. So I mean, and this is all. I, you probably you know it. It's all called the Great Reset, and the worst country you have in this is is the Netherlands and Ger Germany, of course. What they said since the second, the first World War, they have to uh, keep Germany as a sort of uh, enemy. 
So when you think about this all together, then uh, yeah, it's clear they want to wipe out uh, the commemoration of the Second World War, about communism, about Russia. So actually, we are in a very bad uh, state at the moment, and especially Europe is uh, facing this. Well, uh, Sonia, I'm I'm a full supporter, a backer of your farmers. You know, the gr the greatest mm -hmm. farmers on the planet, and they want to put yes. them out of business. It just it's <laughs> yes. insane. It's totally insane. The best farmers in the world. Okay, Vladimir, yes. going back to our topic here, I mean, denying the the the, the rightful victory of the Soviet Union. 78 years ago, it's part of a process of they, they, nothing possibly good can come out of Russia. They, you know, and that's why you don't talk about beating the, the Nazis, okay? Because obviously, I think even the, the neoliberals were not going to stand up for them, at least openly. But so there's, the, there's virtue in victory over that, that uh, ideology and that horrific regime here. Because at the end of the day, you know, and Aaron looks like he's pretty good with the numbers here. In, by the time, by the time of the Normandy landing, the outcome of the war in Europe was obvious to everyone. Vladimir. Yeah, I think what what Aaron also mentioned, and it's absolutely correct, correct, is like we're talking about, if you wish, uh, you know, the whole agenda of Cold War, and the Cold War was more or less about, you know, fight for the hearts and minds of Europeans. You know, let's remember that right after the war. France and Italy and other countries were more or less very, they have very prominent communist parties. And yeah. Anglo Saxon got absolutely scared. So there was an absolutely massive campaign with endless amount of money channeled through CAA to, to the Europe, trying to convince Europeans that that's already started, that the Russians make nothing produce nothing, contribute nothing, great achievements. Nobody wants to deny great American achievements, but they began to promote great American artists, Louis Armstrong, you know, yeah. Jackson Pollock, only when they got scared of Russians. Before, they, they, they wouldn't allow <laughs> Louis Armstrong to play in Mississippi, but then they, they would place him to play in Paris just to impress the Europeans that they are very good and Russians are just brutal <laughs> barbarians. And this thing continues, and it became very important, I think, nowadays, because there is a new threat on, is on the horizon, is China. And China can sort of somehow win Europe, win this. So it's again an attempt to control Europeans, to prove that don't go to Russia, don't go to all those, all those communists, obey us, buy our pro, pro, product, which is five times more expensive, destroy your economy, do your own thing. So it's continuation, unfortunately, it's continuation of the Cold War. And uh, yeah. the, the real war, the war against Nazism, is somehow pushed and, and spinned in the direction the, the Western propaganda wants to go. You know, Aaron, you know, the Western audiences don't understand because they're grossly underinformed about history and, and, and contemporary politics. But I'll, I'll give you the, the take from Moscow. So let's look at the countries that are aligned against with sanctions, you know, trying to uh, um, uh, weaken Russia as much as possible, as the Secretary of Defense said. Um, so, but if you're in Moscow, you know what it looks like? It looks like this grand coalition. Oh, the same coalition that, that was against the Soviet Union. It's remarkably similar, okay? Except for the West is far stronger because the United States is in the big, is involved from the beginning, not in 1939, but 41. So that you know, it's 
that because of this lack of understanding or willingly, willingly not understanding history, you, you can't see how the other guy, the other state, the, the, your opponent, your adversary, can see the world. But that's what people see here. Aaron. Right. I mean, the reason that the Germans and the Japanese and Italians went with this fascist system is because their establishment of capitalist oligarchs felt that they were threatened and that the only way to survive was to just start murdering all the uh, opponents of uh, the capitalist oligarchy. And so they formed this pact and they called it the Anti-Comintern Pact. That's the real name for the Axis. And so they defined themselves by opposition to capitalism. I mean, sorry, opposition to communism. And then after the war, the U.S. basically picks up, uh, absorbs all the worst thugs and murderers and terrorists among the Japanese and Italian fascists and the Nazis and uses them to yep. uh, murder on behalf of uh, the U.S. empire afterwards. So the, you could say the U.S. took over management of global capitalism. That's obvious. But you can also say they b basically absorbed global fascism and uh, are now still to this day murdering its, uh, the opponents of U.S. capitalism. You know, Sonia, one of the things I find most odious and disgusting is that demonizing Russia or trying to erase Russia, but the, the, what was fought against and destroyed, thankfully, in 1945, has reared its ugly head with Western support in Kiev, okay? And, and, and you know, it happen, it's happened so many times since the conflict started where you have an Azov patch here and a Bandera picture there, and everyone kind of stumbles, oh, it doesn't really mean anything. It means a lot. It means a whole lot, okay? And this shows an attempt by the West to uh, whitewash history because what was fought against and destroyed is very real, and it's not being fought against now. It's actually being supported with tens of billions of dollars. Sonia. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I myself, I was in the Azov Steel Factory when it was just liberated in, uh, with the special military operation. And you could see all the remnants of uh, Nazism there, uh, the SS signs, uh, Mein Kampf, everything was there. So, and I saw throughout the Donbass, we could see everywhere, you know, uh, the evidence of that uh, they're really true Nazis, neo-Nazis, or whatever you want to call it. And the Western uh, media and politicians, I think before uh, the special military operation started, they already, they knew because they had some articles in, I think it was BBC or other newspapers and TV uh, stations. They already said, yes, uh, uh, Ukraine has a problem because there are neo-Nazis. And they have. And I reported also in 2016 and 2017 that I was in Odessa, the commemoration of the Union House uh, yes. murders there. And I saw the Azov regiment there. I saw Pravdi sector there. I saw Svoboda there. They were harassing all the Russian people or even me as a journalist who was walking on the street and harassing them and, you know, shouting things. And, and already I saw the priests there who took off their robes when uh, they were finished with their flag ceremony and harassing people. So I think that the West is denying it, but they know that they are supporting neo-Nazis like they did in Syria. They supported Daesh, ISIS. So they, they, they know it. And... You know, they're just whitewashing all the things that, oh, no, maybe, you know, they changed, they, uh, they're now different, and this is what oh, they're trying to oh, say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, I remember, yeah, Vladimir, um, Zelensky was interviewed by some Western outlet, and he was confronted by, you know, you, you have this, you know, Nazi, neo-Nazi problem, and he, you know what his answer was? They are who they are. That's the yeah. best he could come up with. <laughs> Last 50 seconds go to you, Vladimir. Go ahead. 
Yeah, they came up with this kind of talk, and Shibboleth claiming that Zelensky is a Jew, and this is like, therefore, there is no Nazism. You know, they erect monuments all over Ukraine to all these, like, Nazi collaborators. You know, in Germany, you cannot do that. That's what where I see very hypocritical. In the Western Europe, you cannot do that. But in, in, in Ukraine, it goes all around the country, day in, day out. They change the streets in the name of these thugs. And, and you know why? Because unfortunately, that's the only battle, unifying battle cry in Ukraine is ultra-nationalism. And that's what they do, and the West condones this. So that, that, that's from a Russian perspective, from normal perspective, from anti-war perspective, it looks actually absolutely unbelievable. And many, you know, I, I'm surprised that not enough Jews are uh, protesting it, but that's a dif different story, I guess. Yes, but, you know, if you, if you can whitewash history and erase it, then you can, you can praise these people at no cost. That's why we need to remember. All right, that's all the time we have. I want to thank my guests in Providence, Philadelphia, and in here in Moscow. And I want to thank our viewers for watching us here at RT. See you next time. Remember, Crosstalk Rules.